You know, we have uh, dealt with COVID and continue to deal with COVID. And one of the, the wonderful things that we experienced in lockdown was we went out and we decided that we would share our lives with pets. And I know so many people that got dogs or cats or different animals and spending all that time at home, they got to know and make new members of their family. And now, though, right across this country, we are starting to hear about animals showing up at humane societies. Regina, here in Winnipeg, across the country, we're starting to see this in major capitals. What's going on here? We're joined by Kathy Paulson, founder, executive director of Pause for Hope. Kathy, great to talk to you. Thank you so very much for joining us. Thanks for having me. What's going on here? You know, it's 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 a complex issue. Um, I know that there's been a lot of discussion around people going back to work, and so now their COVID pets are ending up in the shelters. And, and I, it's more complicated than that. Um, I think that there's many factors that are in play. Um, you know, people are struggling, and they're are having trouble finding pet-friendly housing. Um, and um, what happened at the beginning of the pandemic was um, there was this, as you as you mentioned, this massive demand for dogs uh, and cats, but primarily dogs. And uh, established shelters and rescues couldn't actually keep up with the demand. And so what that opened up or allowed for was more uh, nefarious, uh, for lack of a better word, groups who um, essentially dog traffic. And what, what I mean by that is you have these groups that call themselves rescues that drive to Mexico, Los Angeles, Texas with a van, pick up a bunch load of dogs, drive them across the border and dot them out at midnight at a parking lot. Um, many of these dogs um, well, didn't have any veterinary care, no assessments, no behavior assessments. And so what happened is a lot of families ended up with dogs that were either ill-suited for their family or had behavior health issues that weren't disclosed. And I think so part of what we're seeing is is the, these these animals are just too much for the families to take care of, and the groups that they adopted them from are not responsible and are not helping them or taking them back. So that that's one of the reasons that we're seeing is, is you, we have dogs with some serious behavior issues. Uh, we've heard stories of families with children. Um, being adopted a dog that's aggressive to children and then, you know, they're trying to get help from the group that they got this dog from and they're missing in action. And so the established organizations and rescues are the ones that are sort of paying the price. The other is... My reaction to that is, wow! Is that how can... it's kind of that's a whole other story, honestly. But yes, it, that 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 is something 
that we have been dealing with for a very long time. Um, and we have been trying to uh, get government to pay attention to this. You know, we established an accreditation program that it's a voluntary uh, accreditation program. We would love the government to make it uh, a, criteria, a requirement for rescues to operate. Um, another thing I think that's important is uh, for the first six months of the pandemic, um, veterinarians were not doing spay and neuter um, procedures. And that was uh, for two reasons. One, they wanted to save PPE for human health care um, because we know that there was a shortage. And they their, their hours were um, restricted in the work that they did. So they were um, sort of mandated by their regulatory bodies to only do sort of urgent care, nothing elective, and spay and neuter is elective. And so we are we see now in communities we're seeing the sort of overpopulation of that six months of animals not getting spayed and neutered. So there are there's there's that issue is happening. The other, the other thing that has sort of confounded the problem is there is, um, for rescue organizations, and these are not shelters, so rescue organizations that operate in the community that rely on foster families to take in their animals until they find adoption because they don't have a shelter or an intake center. Um, there's very few people fostering right now, and so we're having a really hard time um, accommodating the increase in requests for owner surrenders because there's no one willing to foster and adoptions are down significantly so it's this kind of perfect storm where we're seeing an increase in owner surrenders um, we're seeing a decrease in fosters a decrease in adopters and as all charities across the board a significant decrease in donations so the sector is really struggling and you know my colleagues even our, we we did a post yesterday just asking people to be patient with us. We're doing our very best, but we, we just cannot help everyone right now. We we cannot give what we don't have. Um, and, you know, my call, I've seen similar posts from my colleagues as well, just saying, you know, we're closed for intake. We can't take any more animals. It's real, and it's so hard on us where our whole reason of existence is to help animals and to help help the people as well and so it's it's been really really challenging for for all, for my colleagues including ourselves your reaction to this you can text me at 877-399-9898 877-399-9898 i'm richard in for ben with this is kathy powelson founder executive director pause for hope well, I, I hope this does not continue, but I'm also wondering, given the cost of stuff, inflation driving everything right mm-hmm. now, you know, that I, I can't imagine, you know, the, the, the good family pet paying the price for this. I get the behavioral issues and being overwhelmed on that, but I do think that uh, where two years ago there was this move to do something and to welcome a a pet or another pet into the family people are having the tough conversation saying Mm -hmm. you know what at this point we just can't afford to do this Mm -hmm. it's an excellent point the cost of 
everything has gone up. Um, and, you know, Pat, I was just speaking with one of my colleagues earlier this evening and, you know, she was sharing uh, around, you know, how the cost of pet food is impacting their organization, um, the cost of gas for doing transportations, the cost of veterinary care, like everything has gone up. And so families are feeling that crunch as well. And um, there isn't a lot of support. So one of the things that Pause for Hope does is we provide financial assistance for veterinary care for low-income families. As you can imagine, the demand for that service has quadrupled in the last 18 months. Um, and people, and if, if, and we cannot meet the demand. Um, so if someone has an urgent veterinary care issue and there is no help for them, what what are their options? What, like what 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 options do they have? And sometimes they 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 don't have options and are given an option to surrender their animal, which is for us heartbreaking. Mm-hmm. Um, but and one of the things that we're hearing is um, we're seeing with our fosters. So I'm I'm sure this is also impacting just average family with pets is because of the cost of living and uh, rent. Um, people are having to move, and then they're having a hard time finding pet-friendly housing. So once where they had, they lived with their pet in pet-friendly housing, are now being forced to live somewhere else that where they can't take their pet, and so they're making having to make this awful decision to surrender their pet so they don't end up homeless. Um, so you know, I I think. The COVID dog surrendering because people are returning to work is minuscule compared to all of the other issues that are impacting families across the country. Please stay with us. Kathy Paulson is with us, founder, executive director of Pause for Hope. I'm Richard, in for Ben. Richard Cluche in for Ben. Kathy Paulson is with us, founder, executive director of Pause for Hope. Kathy, why do you do what you do? Um, well, that's a, that's a really great question. Um, I do it because um, I love animals. Um, but I also believe um, that our community is a better place when people and their animals are healthy. Um, I, and, I, and I think that the work that we can do um, supporting people uh, and their pets just makes a, a, healthier, a healthier community. Yeah. It, it burns me up, though, when you mention the story about in the dead of night, pets being yeah. illegally imported into this country uh, to see the abuse. And I know that sometimes we get more riled up about our pets than sometimes our children. Um, I'm not going to go there because I get riled up about a lot of things, including children and, and pets. Um, but I also know the therapeutics of a pet in one's life. And, you know, you can have the worst day ever. Mm-hmm. And if there is a, a pet that's there to welcome you with unconditional love, what that can do to somebody is yeah, just it, incredible. 
It, it, it really is, you know, and I, when I think back to, uh, you know, as it, I've, we've had, I've had pets my entire life growing up, um, and I think the role of pets has really evolved over the last couple decades as we understand more about animals and what they are capable of feeling. Um, and, and so their, you know, the emotions, the fear, they can, they can feel loneliness, they can feel happiness, they can, they can feel fear, a pain, and all of these, these things that, you know, 30, 40 years ago, we didn't have that perspective. We didn't have the science that, that, uh, now can demonstrate what just another feel. piece of just another piece of property right and exactly. we've discovered no no exactly no, exactly these are beings and they're family for so many of us pets are family um and you know we see um our program that provides temporary foster care for people in crisis, um, what we see uh, on a daily basis is uh, women who are in a violent situation who won't leave if they don't have a place for their pet to go. If they have, they won't leave if they, if that means leaving their animal behind. We see people who are, have, who need to go into addiction treatment but won't go if there's not a place for their pet to go while they're in treatment so they can be reunited with them when they're, when they're out. So, you know, we see those people every single day where their animal is so important to them and we're, you know, making life decisions based on our animal's well-being. Um, so, I, you know, I, I think it's hard now for everyone to hear how rescues and shelters are struggling um, because, you know, for all of the various reasons that our people are needing to, wanting to surrender their animals, this is something we're not used to seeing in Canada. This is something where, you know, south of the border, we think that's, that's, that's an American problem. It's, it's Americans have pet overpopulation. Americans kill dogs in shelters because there's not enough space. Um, and so I think for, for, for the society and also for the sector, this is a terrifying time. This is not something we're used to. Um, and, where is the light at the end of the tunnel? Um, we just don't know because what we're told uh, is things are going to get worse before they get better in terms of inflation and cost of living. So is how much worse is it going to get for us? Um, and how many of us will survive this? Because we don't have government funding. We're relying on donations. And when people are spending $150 to fill their car, how are they going to be able to donate to whatever charity is important to them? Um, and so it, it, is a, it is a really scary time for everybody. Um, and I think people, you know, we're, it, it's been such a, a hard couple years and animals and our pets have sort of, been a constant source of joy for many of us. 
um, during this time. And so seeing that how it's impacting them is, is heartbreaking. Um, yeah, it's just, it's, it's, it's a really tough time. I, I feel like a broken record, but it, it's just, it, it is a tough time. And, and, and on the other hand, you know, my colleagues in the sector um, are so dedicated and so resilient, and they're not going down without a fight. Absolutely and, not. You know, absolutely. Like they, they're going to they, get through this, and you will, will as yeah. well. Yeah. Pauseforhope.org. Kathy, thanks so very much for joining us this evening. Thanks Kathy so much. Paulson. Thanks so much. Take care. Bye bye.